This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate a few minutes of your time this morning. This is my favorite time of the week. Uh, Coming up at 9.30, Dan Zampano will join us to talk NFL football. Dan, always entertaining. Glad uh, we can get him out of bed early in the morning on a Friday. So uh, you'll want to stay tuned for that coming up at 9.30. Uh, you heard our news report at the top of the hour. Was something that broke, uh, obviously, before that report was, uh, or after that report was taped. Pfizer this morning uh, has applied to the FDA for emergency use of its new COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, if this does indeed get approved, it could happen in the next couple of weeks. So perhaps as early as the first or second week of December, uh, this could get rolled out. And, uh, you know, look, it only is, it's only going to mean about 20 million or to 25 million doses here in the U.S. between now and the end of the year. But uh, Pfizer uh, has planned a, a lots more than that. And, of course, the Moderna one coming up. But Pfizer is the first one to head to the FDA. Now, what is what does an emergency use mean? Well, it means that it's conditionally approved it's basically approved but what it means is is that now if if it gets emergency approval before you can be given the vaccine um they have to hand you a basically an information sheet uh explaining what the, what it is what the potential side effects are uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, normally for a vaccine, you just go and you get the shot and you, you, you go away. In this case, if it's an emergency thing, they just have to they just have to say, hey, look, this is what the deal is. Uh, and, you know, people are it's going to go first to the healthcare workers, as it should, because they're treating the people with the covid. So uh, so this could happen pretty soon. You know, and again, you know, 25 million doses is a drop in the bucket when you have a population of 350 million uh, and they have to have two shots three weeks apart, but Pfizer has also said that, you know, it's a, a 25 initial, initial dose. Uh, they could have another 50 million by the end of the year, uh, and then they plan another maybe 30 million in January, 35 million in February and March. So, you know, it's good. The numbers are going to increase quite a bit, you know, and the thing, but the thing to remember here, folks, is that this is going to trickle out this is not a cure. This is a vaccine, so you don't get it to begin with. So until you get vaccinated, you still have to do the regular stuff. Let's wash the hands. Let's wear the mask. Let's not be stupid. Uh, so hopefully that will happen, you know, very quickly. And and then with Moderna coming quickly on the heels behind it, you know, maybe we can get back to some sense of normalcy or whatever the new normal is going to be uh, here in the next few months. Um, 
COVID uh, is continuing to wreak havoc on the college football scene. Maryland and Michigan State has now been canceled this weekend. Uh, Maryland's uh, most recent outbreak has claimed Michael Loxley, one of their coaches, and so he is out. Um, Maryland has now had, over the last seven days, 15 of their players have tested positive. Uh, Maryland has not played now in it's two weeks. Their game last week against Ohio State was canceled as well. So that's now 16 of the 62 games in the bowl subdivision this week that have been called off. So that's over 25% of the games scheduled for this weekend have been called off. So, you know, and it's only going to get worse. So in response to that, uh, the Pac-12 has decided that if games are canceled or postponed because of COVID-related issues, they are going to allow their teams to play non-conference games. Uh, they've had five of their 18 scheduled games during the first three weeks postponed or canceled. They're actually canceled because they don't have – the Pac-12 started so late, they don't have any dates in the calendar to move things around. So what they have said is to allow teams to continue to play. If you can find a non-conference team that is open – and you want to play, you can. The only the only thing you have to do is you have to make sure that all of its testing and coronavirus-related protocols are being followed and that the game is hosted by a Pac-12 team. And you have to do it by Thursday. So if you got a game, you know, if, if you want to play on the weekend, you have to do it by Thursday. You make the plans. So that's, that's the deal. Um... You know, and look, great, you know, I. but with, you know, and the thing is, is that it has to be hosted by a Pac-12 team. Well, that means you've got to find a non-conference opponent that is healthy or relative, whatever healthy is or few number of cases or whatever, and then you've got to get them to be willing to get on an airplane and come to you. So I don't know how likely that is, but, you know, good for them for trying. Uh, Lou Holtz, the former Notre Dame coach, 83 years old, has tested positive for the virus, and it sounds like he does have some symptoms. He talked to a TV station in South Carolina yesterday uh, and said that he just doesn't have a lot of energy right now. Um, so hopefully it won't be too bad. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, has worked for ESPN for years and, uh, you know, he was a Trump supporter, but I won't hold that against him. <laughs> so we wish him the best. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers have placed two more people on their COVID list. Uh, one of their offensive linemen as well as one of their linebackers were added to the list on Thursday. So they've had, had to put four of them on the list this week. And that just oh, what does it mean? It means they've either tested positive or they've been in close contact with someone who's been infected. 49ers don't play this week, so it's not going to impact anything. They've got to buy, which is good. Uh, college basketball, DePaul has had to stop its ta uh, team activities when, uh, somebody on the team or one of their, uh, you know, close, uh, support people has tested positive. Um, and, uh, so their first game, the uh, first three games of the season, they've already canceled them. Uh, Dave Lado, the head coach said, you know, their team is going to return to practice and competition after all the protocols and procedures have been passed. So basically it means quarantining anywhere between 10 and 14 days. And uh, look, they were supposed to start playing in five days. Their first game was scheduled for the 25th. 
and then they were supposed to play the 28th and on December 1st. So not going to happen. Of course, they're in the Big East along with UConn. Uh, so they are uh, had to put the brakes on. UConn has been cleared to resume practice. Uh, so they start practice again today. They're supposed to play Central Connecticut next Friday or Saturday. I can't remember the date. And then they were supposed to play the University of Hartford right after that. Now, whether they're going to be ready or not, we don't know. Uh, but as I've said, and this is nothing against Central Connecticut or the University of Hartford, but UConn could fall out of bed and play those teams and beat them. You know, as long as everybody is healthy and, you know, there's there's no reason to believe that they can't, you know, beat those teams with a week of practice. Look, uh, Central Connecticut last year won, you know, a handful of games. I mean, literally a handful of games. I think they might have only won three or four games. So, uh, you know, that's that's a game that they can win. Hartford would be a little bit of a tougher test probably, but again, a game that they could win on a week of practice. So we'll have to see. Uh, University of Albany has also canceled its season opener against Marist. Uh, they were also supposed to participate in the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off tournament that's going to be at Mohegan Sun in December. Uh, they have not practiced since December 2nd because of a positive test uh, within the team. Uh, so they are not even going to, uh, uh, begin practice until next week. They were supposed to play on the 28th, uh, against Drexel and Quinnipiac in the hall of fame tip off. So, uh, they are also out. So that's the latest on the, uh, the coronavirus carnage across the sports scene. By the way, happy birthday to Joe Biden. Uh, today is his 78th birthday. The first Democrat I have ever voted for, for president. First time in my life, 60 years old, never voted for a Democrat till Joe Biden. And it was more of, you know, and, and Joe Biden seems like a great human being. I think he's a, probably a really good guy. Whether he'll be a great president or not, I don't know. All I know is he had to be better than what we got in there now. But by the way, he will become, and I was surprised by this. I actually thought Ronald Reagan was the oldest man ever to serve as president. But Joe Biden at 78 will be older than Ronald Reagan was when he left office in 1989. I did not know that. I thought when Reagan left, he was in his 80s, but he was 77 years and 349 days old, so he was only a week short of, uh, or a couple of weeks short of being 78 when he left. I thought, I don't know why, but I thought he was, you know, 80 when he left. Uh, but uh, Joe, so Joe Biden will not only be the oldest pre president ever elected, he'll be the oldest ever to serve at any point in his uh, uh, administration period. So, uh, uh, you know, and now the good news is, is uh, his, his vice president is 20 years younger than he is. So uh, SNY has announced it is going to carry 18 UConn women's basketball games this season. Um, they had to do some negotiating with Fox Sports because Fox owns the rights to the Big East basketball uh, schedule. But SNY reached a multi-year agreement with Fox in February that's going to allow them to carry up to 18 games this uh, each season, as well as halftime and pre- and post-game shows. Uh, so you'll be able to continue to watch uh, UConn on SNY. They've got... Their first seven games this year are all going to be on SNY starting, uh, by the way, they open next Saturday against Quinnipiac. Uh, you know, that'll be a slaughter. And then uh, a game in a tournament. And then they'll also have Quinnipiac the next day, or uh, they'll play in that tournament the next day. I can't remember. It's Maine, Quinnipiac, and I can't remember who the fourth school is in that tournament. 
Uh, but UConn will play the next day against the winner of the uh, second game in the opening round. And then they'll have games against Louisville, Seton Hall, Butler, uh, Xavier, and uh, Villanova uh, on SNY between now and the end of the calendar year. Uh, the big news out of New England yesterday, Gordon Hayward has decided to opt out of the final year of his contract with the Celtics. Um, he was scheduled to make $34 million in this upcoming year. Now, that's a little bit misleading because they think that that number is going to be trimmed by quite a bit because of the amount of revenue losses that the NBA took because of the pandemic. So there's going to be some negotiating with the Players Association about how that's going to impact the salaries. I can't imagine. I mean, it's going to impact it some, but at the same time, they're still planning on playing 72 games. You know, they're only going to play, you know, 10 games fewer than they were going to play before. So I don't know how much that will be reduced, but still, he's walking, essentially walking away from 30 million bucks. And he is going to become um, an unrestricted free agent. Now, it doesn't mean he's necessarily gone from Boston. The Celtics could still negotiate a longer-term contract with him and keep him in Boston for ha perhaps for a lower annual salary but more years guaranteed so that you know he gets some uh, 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 financial security, I guess. Um, you know, and I find this, look, I like Gordon Hayward, you know, unfortunately he's had a couple of big injuries in his career. Of course, as soon as he got there, he, you know, with that, the ankle injury, and then he hurt himself again this year, just before the playoffs and didn't come back until the conference finals. But when he was healthy this year, he played well. He was a valuable member of that team. Uh, I think he averaged what, uh, 17 points a game this year, about seven rebounds a game. Four assists. He shot 50% from the field. I mean, this is a guy that's valuable. The The only thing that I can think of, you know, look, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker are really the first three options offensively for the Celtics. So maybe this is an ego thing for Gordon Hayward. He wants to go somewhere where he can be more of a early option offensively as opposed to being, I guess, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, the, the, the fourth choice. Um, but, you know, he is such a well-rounded player. If I'm the Celtics, I want to keep him. So if I'm Danny Ainge, I'm going to work hard to keep him. Now, the Celtics have some issues with uh, roster size. You know, they have a lot of guys signed. Now, they did also decide they are not going to offer – uh, an extension to uh, Wanamaker, so he is going to become a free agent. So there's one guy gone. Um, they also traded um, uh, the, the French kid, uh, Poirier, their center, uh, they traded him to uh, Oklahoma City for a conditional or a protected second-round pick uh, and some cash uh, yesterday. So they've lost a couple of guys. But, you know, of course, Hayward and head coach Brad Stevens have a relationship. Stevens was Hayward's coach in college at Butler. Um, so I'm, you know, I, and the Celtics were very supportive of Hayward during the, uh, you know, the injury. And uh, so I would be surprised if the Celtics don't try to re-sign him. You know, and originally he was supposed to opt out on Tuesday. 
and they gave an extension till Thursday to get it done. And I don't know whether that was because they wanted some flexibility for the draft or whatever. Um, you know, and maybe the fact that the Celtics went out and got themselves a shooter in the first round of the draft, maybe that kind of prompted Hayward's decision. He's looking at it like, well, there's another guy I'm going to have to fight, you know, for minutes. You know, so maybe that's why. You know, I don't know. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Danny Ainge at least makes an effort to re-sign him. So we'll see. Uh, other NBA news yesterday, a big blow for the uh, uh, Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson tore his Achilles tendon in a pickup game on Wednesday. Uh, and it was announced after an MRI yesterday uh, that he has to have surgery and he will miss the entire uh, 2020 and 21 season. And this is after, by the way, uh, he had knee surgery, what, the year before? So that this is going to make, you know, two seasons now in the last three years that he has had to sit out because of injuries. So that's a big blow uh, for the Warriors. I mean, look, they were they were 15 and 50 last year without Thompson. And, of course, they didn't have Steph Curry for part of the time because he had that broken left hand. Uh, so now, you know, a team that was hoping to be able to get their pieces back, have everybody healthy and be competitive again, uh, it could be another long year, uh, in golden state, uh, golf news from yesterday, uh, Camilla Vijegas, And this is a great story. I, you know, uh, it's only the first round, but, uh, a bogey free round yesterday shot a six under par 64 has a share of the lead, uh, with Matt Wallace. Uh, in the RSM Classic at Sea Island. Vijegas is a guy, he's from Columbia. He's won four times on the PGA Tour, uh, but he has had a shoulder injury that kept him out for all of 2019. They came back, and or he came back, and in uh, July, he and his wife lost their two-year-old daughter. Uh, she had been... Uh, found to have tumors developing on her brain and spine and uh, was undergoing chemotherapy when she died in July. And, you know, if I don't know how you focus, you know, I mean, we, look, we've all had tragedy in our lives. We all have to go on. But losing um, losing a two-year-old daughter in July and being able to come back and focus and, you know, maybe in some ways, I guess maybe the golf did help him focus. So, uh, but a great story. And, and I hope he does well this week. The kid he's tied with, uh, Matt Wallace. Uh, is a guy that's, you know, a journeyman golfer, tied for 46 last week at the Masters. Uh, I think he's ranked uh, like 50th in the world. Um, uh, kid out of uh, Australia, who, by the way, is playing a tournament without his caddy because just before, uh, about three hours before his tee-off at the uh, at the RSM, he found out that his caddy tested positive for the coronavirus. So, And he tested negative, but he didn't have a caddy, so he had to use a local guy, uh, somebody he wasn't familiar with at all, but a local guy that knew the golf course, and uh, he shot a 64 as well, so uh, he is tied to top um, with uh, Vijegas. Uh, other golf news, Tiger Woods announced yesterday, this is, should be fun, uh, he is going to play in the father-son tournament, the PNC Championship, coming up in December. He's going to play it with his 11-year-old son. So needless to say, he will be the youngest kid in the field. Um, it, it should be a lot of fun, you know, and uh, 
Tiger said that uh, he, his kid, he said his kid's, you know, he said, look, he says, I'm still winning for now, he said, with a big smile. And he said that, uh, uh, but he's asking the right questions. He said, so, you know, and, and Tiger's caddied for him in a couple of junior tournaments. And he said, it's, but it's been fun. And he said, it reminds him a lot of him and his dad. So, neat. You know, and and along with that, you know, we're going to have an 11 year old kid out there, but that's a tournament that uh, Raymond Floyd plays in. Uh, John Daly's going to play in it with his son, Greg Norman, and his son, uh, Gary Player, and his son. I mean, Gary Player is what 85 years old, uh, and we're going to have an 11 year old uh, uh, son, Charlie Woods, out there. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. I look forward to that. Uh, well, with baseball season coming up, we hope a full season in 2021. Uh, ESPN announced yesterday that it is going to have a quadruple doubleheader on opening day. And look, we can only hope uh, that there is an opening day on April 1st. That's the plan right now. Uh, And ESPN has said that their quadruple doubleheader, the first game is going to be uh, the Toronto Blue Jays at the New York Yankees at 1 o'clock. Uh, followed by the Dodgers and the Colorado Rockies at four. Uh, the other New York Mets team, uh, the New York Mets, will play at seven o'clock uh, against the Washington Nationals, and then the quadruple doubleheader will round out at ten o'clock at night with the Houston Astros and the Oakland Athletics. Uh, so, look, let's you know, it's great to to talk about this stuff and it's great to make plans. We just have to hope that come April, uh, that they are able to play. And I, and I have optimism that they are. I really do. Uh, I think with the vaccine rolling out now, whether there'll be fans or not remains to be seen, but I am optimistic that we are going to play baseball and we're going to have 162 game season, uh, come April, you know, baseball has the advantage, unlike hockey and basketball that are going to try to start in, uh, you know, towards the end of December and the first week of January, baseball has that advantage of, you know, a few more months of being able to let science do its thing. So I am cautiously optimistic. It's 28 minutes past year. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano will join us to talk NFL football. You're listening to the wake up call on sports country. It's 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call on a Friday morning. And as we are every Friday, we are thrilled to uh, invite Dan Zampano into the show. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Gene, it's great to be back. Week 11, uh, very, very exciting. Lots of games this week, one that we've already had, but lots of games this week that have a lot of playoff implications. So uh, very, very big week in the NFL. Let's start off with the uh, game we've already had this week, last night's game. It was a fun one. You know what was funny? I was tired. I was really tired last night, and I wanted to go to bed. But the game stayed close enough where I said, well, mm. Kyler Murray did it last week. I better hang in there and see if he can pull it off again. They came up just short, but really the biggest play of that game was the late safety. That kind of changed yep. the whole outlook of that game, and it's a play you so seldom see these days, but that was really the pivotal moment last night. And why did that play happen? Because the Seattle defensive line showed up last night for the first time really all season. Seattle was able to get pressure on the quarterback, and the offensive line really struggled with them. They only gave, they gave up three sacks, yes, but look at how they did in the run game. Yeah. I mean, Seattle only had 57 yards rushing last night. 
less than four yards a carry. I mean, that was so, so important to this game. Murray was Murray was running around, and as he typically does, but he was running around because he was getting pressured. And, and I thought that was such a key to the game. You're right. That safety, huge play in the game. And then Seattle just having the will at the end of the game to just hang on, make some big plays in the secondary. Uh, we've talked about their secondary being horrible all year long, but those two breakup passes at the end of the game were so big. Seattle, back from the dead. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. They were never going to lose three in a row, and it's, again, Russell Wilson has never lost three games in a row in his career. Well, and he was a big part of the story last night, too. You look at his final numbers. He only threw for 197 yards, but the key for him was is he didn't turn the ball over. He's been in the last three or four right. games. He's been a turnover machine. So I think that was a huge part of yesterday. And I'll tell you what, every time I watch DK Metcalf play, I am more oh. and more impressed with that kid. He is unbelievable. He is just a freak, an absolute freak of nature. And it just, again, I hate saying this because yeah, I complain I about it every week, but we drafted Nikhil Harry in yeah. the first round over that guy. Oh, it kills me every time. You know, and the uh, the other big stat that came out of last night, and I this is, this is impressive, Russell Wilson becomes the fifth quarterback uh, since the merger in 1970 to have a 30 or more touchdown passes and a passer rating of 110 or higher over the first 10 games of the season. The previous four all won the MVP. Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. That's pretty good company. Well, we'll see because he's still he's got really tough company with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. So, this, yeah, you know, I still think it's very close. All right, uh, let's go to a couple of games from last week, and we got to start off with the effort – by the New England Patriots against Baltimore last yes, year. I mean, nobody, and I mean nobody, had the Patriots winning this game. Now, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind they got an assist. God stepped in and gave them an assist late in the game. <laughs> With it at when they Baltimore got that ball back in the final minute, and the rain that was coming down, and oh. the wind was un- it was almost like God said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna cut you a break this week." But what an effort by the Patriots last week! Like manna from heaven. I mean, <laughs> it was unbelievable. And, and the, I'll give you, I'll give one guy credit that did pick him was Mike Tirico on the pregame. He even said he was the only one that was going to pick him, so okay. he did. But I think. That was the most old school Patriots win. It was, yeah. That you could have that brought you didn't didn't have bring you back. I mean, it it yeah. was like it brought me back to like oh three oh four, running the football with like Corey Gellin, Rex Burkhead, and Damian Harris. Incredible job, offensive line. Incredible job. Yes, they benefited from the weather because uh, the center from the Ravens really oh, had boy. a hard time. I that think was that a, was the big. That was a huge part of the game. There were a lot of snaps uh, that were their, that were nearly snaps. wobbled. Yeah. Awful. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, to me, they controlled the pace of the game, and I think the Patriots finally figured out this year who they are, and that is they're going to win games by running the football and playing tough defense on the defensive line. They have to trust that secondary. J.C. Jackson, another <laughs> interception, so that's really, really solid for them. He's yeah. leading the league there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just a great all-around team win. There wasn't a ton of you know, negative things about it. Now, can they continue? That's the question. Because right. if we go to Houston this week, and, you know, he, as bad as Houston has been, they do still have Deshaun Watson. Yeah, so and, you still have to, like, bring that firepower to this game. But overall, I mean, 
saved the season. Well, really saved the season. Now my question to you is, is that Sonny Michelle's been eligible to come off the IR, and they have kept him on the IR. And with you know the way Damian Harris has been running the football, the contributions that Burkhead has had, I mean, they don't seem to be any in any rush to bring Sonny Michelle back into the rotation. Where where does that sit right now? Do you think? I think it sits right on the bench is where I think it sits. You think That's he stays what there? I think. Yeah. I, I, uh, oh, boy, why in the heck would you bring him back? I mean, he's been the most – you you might bring him back, obviously. I think he'll be activated. But I think you bring him back specifically to just be a goal line back. I mean, Harris – you want to rotate in Burkhead and, and Harris, obviously, and then James White passing situations. But Sony, to me, is, is, is a third and one back now. And, and even so, like, I would – be very nervous trusting him. You can see the difference. Damian Harris is just north, south, and go. Yes. He just hits the hole. Yep. Sony is just it's a slow developing. He needs the play to develop, and it's just a different dyna- dynamism that that he brings to the table on Harris. Um. So let's uh, we'll move south to uh, while well, we were in Charlotte, North Carolina, but we'll move south to Charlotte and uh, the bounce back game. And there's no other way to put it than what Tom Brady and Tampa did. Um, mm-hmm. last week in Carolina after being absolutely embarrassed by the Saints. Uh, boy, was that what that franchise needed was that big win last week. And Tom Brady, uh, 341 yards, three more touchdowns, Gronk involved yet again. Uh, you know, you just have to look, I guess, at that Saints game and go, well, these things happen. But that was more what we expected to see last week. Well, you think they were a little PO'd? Oh, I mean, yeah. like more than PO'd. You know, I think they they literally were ready from the from the get go. Now, I give Carolina credit; they did stick in the game, but Carolina just doesn't have the horses to, right. to compete with a team like that. I mean, uh, especially in the secondary, Brady did whatever he wanted. Um, to me, I, again, like they're they're only getting better as they go along. Uh, and Antonio Brown, I think, is going to be involved more and more as they go along, too. So that's still something that they have to kind of get on the same page with. Um, but I think that, again, this team is still, to me, one of the favorites to win the NFC, probably the favorite. And I just think they have the most complete team. That's so it. we'll see going forward. But the whole Saints thing, about yeah. that with them losing both games to the Saints, and that's going to throw a wrench into well, it. And now with Breeze out, it's yeah. going to be even weirder. Well, so. that's where I was going. I mean, you know, that they do, they did lose that tiebreaker. But now, you know, they say Breeze is going to be out two weeks. I bet it's going to be longer than two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I he, you fracture ribs to the point where you collapse a lung. That's more than a fractured rib. You did some serious damage. I'm guessing he's out a month. Now, look, they have a break in that two of the games are against the Falcons. And they've got a game against the Broncos in there. So, you know, you they have the benefit of having a relatively easy schedule. So that will help them some. Yeah, but you, you but don't the, you don't you don't you don't have to you don't put down the Falcons as just a win in the division. I mean, I think that that is those are competitive games. Well, right I, I'll give you that, but it's not like you're going to play the Green Bay Packers. You've got, you know, you've got, No, you're not. You've got teams that are you know, but the the problem that the Saints have now is that they're going to be turning to a walking turnover as their new quarterback in Jameis Winston <laughs> while Drew Brees is out. So if you're the Saints, that's the part that's got to scare the crap out of you. They've got to figure out a way 
with this offense to get Jameis Winston to not lose the game, control the game. You know, they also had the problem this week with Alvin Kamara's got a, a bad foot. Now they said he is going to play, yep. but you know, th- so they've got to figure out how to, because e- the problem is, is that you know, yeah, Jameis Winston could throw the football, but he's just as likely to throw it to the other team as he is to his. Right, and and also the thing is, he's playing in a division that everybody knows him. So I right, mean, yeah. you know, they know what he is, and you know, but at the same time, he knows everybody. So it's very, very strange. But exactly, we've seen Jameis and what he does, and what he does is put the ball down the field in horrible spots. <laughs> and you know, I just that's that's his forte, you yeah. know. But um, to me, I, with this offense, I want to see what Sean Payton can do with it because I think he's been kind of stuck down there with a lot of different coaches in in Tampa and. You know, he's had a ton of talent on his teams before, but this offense is a little bit different with Kamara and having like what that elite running back being able to throw it out of the backfield. He comes in the game last week, does pretty well. And and don't forget, it's not just going to be him either. It's going to be Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill too. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I think that that's going to throw a wrench into things as well. I just don't like it for the Saints. Like, I just think that this is a really, really precarious and very fragile state of a team that their defense is going to have to show up. And look, they did it last year. They right. went 5-0 without Breeze last year, but that was with Teddy Bridgewater. Right. That's so a bit of a difference. this year, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a difference. I would say that exactly. It's a bit of a difference. Yeah, so, it, I, again, the, the, Saints, the Saints need to make sure that Jameis understands, hey, don't push the ball. Do what we've been doing. Right. And if you're the Saints, I mean, obviously not having Breeze, not optimal. But if you're the Saints and you're looking at, well, look, we're 7-2 and two right now. So maybe if he's out a month, you know, their goal has to be, look, if we can get through this 2-2, two and two, you know, with the state of the rest of the NF- NFC, they're going to make the playoffs. And if they get Breeze back yeah. and they get him healthy, you know, they might end up, you know, as a, they might end up a wild card as opposed to the division winner because of that. But... If you have a healthy Drew Brees, you're going to be a very, very dangerous wild card team. But Gene, yeah, you'll be a dangerous wild card team. But man, wouldn't you want to have you know some home field advantage oh, in the last year of that course. Drew Brees is going to be in the under? Like there, this window is not big. Like this is it. This is their last run with him. So you know, to me, I, I like you need desperately to not screw up these next couple of weeks, especially <laughs> knowing that Tampa, right, just don't screw it up, kid. Like, that's right. all you hear. You get the keys to the Ferrari. But Tampa right on your heels, like, you lose two games. Tampa probably ain't losing two games. I mean, both these teams still have to play Kansas City, and that's obviously we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, I, again, this is a fragile state. It's like, an, it's like that. you know, you're not trying to split the atoms here. That's all you're trying not to do, right. you know. Uh, the New York Giants. Uh, mm. the NFC East, what a, <laughs> it, it is. A, yeah, yeah what, what a division. <laughs> that's, a, that's a, that's a dumpster fire. And you know, it, just when you think you got it figured out and it looks like Philly is, you know, they're going to be healthy and they're going to take control of this division. The giants come out last week and beat them by 10. And then the giants this week, just to make things a little bit more fun, uh, their offensive line coach, Mark Colombo gets fired because he gets in an argument uh, with Joe Judge. So, you know, just when you – I can't figure out who's going to take control of this division. You look at this, the Dallas Cowboys that you think think are a playoff team, or you did until Dak Prescott got hurt. Let me qualify that. that you Super thought was Bowl. A, yeah, Super Bowl. Or Super Bowl, yeah. Well, they're still, they're still in it. 
at two and seven. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. But just you know, a typical. You know, I don't know what it is about the Giants and the Jets the last few years, but man, they are like uh, soap operas. And and now now yeah. you know, and now they continue it this week with Columbo's firing. Yeah, well, uh, uh, hey, I mean, you know, Philly, I mean, coming in last week and embarrassing themselves. They really did. I mean, I, I don't know what, I don't know whether they uh, were adhering to the new New Jersey marijuana laws or something. I don't really know, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, to me, that was abysmal. Like, you can't lose that game coming off of a bye to a team that you pipe every single every single year in that stadium. Right. Like that, that was embarrassing. Couldn't convert on third down at all, and it gives the Giants life. But the Giants have been playing much better defensively. Yep. Uh, they have a pretty easy schedule. Um, I think the problem with them is going to be can Daniel Jones just continue to just not turn the ball over and make good decisions? He had like sixty-five yards rushing uh, against Philadelphia this week. You know, I mean, he's been decent. You can't you can't deny that. And somebody who hasn't been decent is Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz has looked awful. Yeah. And I think partly it's because he feels like he has to do so so much with, with not a lot of talent around him. But I also think the coaches have just not put him in a good position either. I think that that has been a major issue. Doug Peterson's play calling has been a mess. They just don't, they just refuse to run the football. They have this great running back in Miles Sanders and they just refuse to use him. So, uh, to me, again, you're right. Dumpster fire. Maybe the Giants get better with the Guglielmo coming in. He was the Patriots uh, O-line coach back in 2014 when Skarnecki left for a year. I mean, he's a good play. He's a good coach. Um, I don't know. Uh, that division is so up in the air. So the Cowboys are going to win it. That's what it means. <laughs> well, let's let, let's <laughs> since we're on that division, let's start with uh, looking at this week's games. And the first one I want to look at is those Philadelphia Eagles. They have to go on the road to a team that you know, despite their six and three record, you know, I still don't think is that great of a team in the Cleveland Browns. Now the Browns are a three point favorite. I mean, if you're Philly, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say you have to have this game because that division, you know, that that division is going to go down to the last week. But uh, you would think, you know, for Philadelphia, this should be a game that you can win. Well, first off, I just want to say, Nick Chubb, you are dead to me uh, for what you did oh, what the did. other day. What do you have him on your so, fantasy team? What, uh, uh, well, you know, we had a pick em and oh, uh, the line was three and a half. Oh, so no. That, no. See, I have him on my yeah. fantasy team. So he, he, won the game. he won the game for me last my game for me last week, so I, I'm, I'm a fan. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I happen to despise his guts now. Okay. So, uh, but like just all like all the other Georgia running backs. There you go. But um, the <laughs> the Eagles are dead. They're going to be desperate to win this game, and I think this is a game they can win. Absolutely, I think that the Browns. Uh, if you look at the defensive efficiency ratings, the Browns' rush defense is really overrated. Yep. Um, the Eagles are actually way up there in terms of rush defense, and and with Chubb coming back. I think Jim Schwartz is going to have a good game defensively, call a good game, uh, kind of mess Baker up a little bit this week. And uh, I, rumors that Zach Ertz could be back this week for the Eagles makes me excited for them. I, I, I think that they will – listen, it's the volatility index in stocks. The Eagles would be all over that one. They'd be real, real high. So <laughs> I would say that uh, the Eagles are going to come back and they're going to perform this week and they're going to win. All right. Uh the Patriots are at Houston. Patriots are a two-point favorite on the road, uh, and that's probably about right. I mean, I you know, this is going to be a this is going to be a probably a lot like last week. You're going to have to grind this one out, aren't you? 
Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the I think two to four points is right around the right spot. They opened as three point underdogs for some ungodly reason. But um yeah, the Texans are just not a very good football team. And and that's what it really comes down to. They have Deshaun Watson and that's great, but like outside of him, um They've and been- even him, his numbers his numbers are inflated. If you take out the divisional games, he's right around middle of the pack instead of, you know, up there like number two in yeah. yards per pass. And, and Houston's I mean. Houston's given up an awful lot of points too. Their defense has been rather porous. Well, the defense is porous. They're the number they're number thirty two that's last in the league in rushing yards per game allowed. They're allowing hundred and fifty seven. Wow. Uh that plays right into the Patriots' right. hands. Yeah. So I'm gonna sit back I'm gonna sit back and have an Octoberfest from Sam Adams and be a real New Englander on Sunday and <laughs> enjoy the Enjoy the win that they get. They're going to win this game because. And how many Super Bowls has Houston given them? Huh? I mean, they right. love going down there. So let's 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 ride with the path this week again. We're back. All right, a fascinating game this week. Uh, Green Bay is at Indianapolis. Now, Indianapolis is actually favored in this game, and and I think some of that may be coming off of the fact that Green Bay struggled last week to beat a Jacksonville team. So maybe that's playing into this. I'm not sure, but uh, I was kind of surprised that that uh, Indy's favorite, even though they're at home, I thought Green Bay would be the favorite here. Uh, I did too, but then I really thought about it, and I said, look, Green Bay just hasn't been able to defend the run all year. I mean, uh, last week against the Jaguars was so apparent, like they just can't do it. Um, they got to figure something out defensively because that's something that the Colts love to do. They have three really good running backs uh, and a great offensive line, and that's going to be a big factor in the game in keeping Rodgers off the field. Uh, now the Packers do get Alan Lazard back this week. I think that is a really, really big weapon for them uh, in terms of a possession receiver. This game is so close. I think this 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 game might be an overtime. Really, I, I just I th- this is a really, really two really well matched teams. I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Rodgers. I just I think that Rivers is gonna throw a pick at some point in the game and cost them. So I, I'm I'm very very cautiously taking the Packers. Uh, another fascinating game at Baltimore. Tennessee is at Baltimore. Now, Baltimore, I think, is a five-point favorite in this one. Mm, yeah, a lot of people seem to like Tennessee on that line. But um, to me, uh, look, you know, this has to be a great spot for, for, for Baltimore. I mean, you know, they get embarrassed. The weather had a lot of factor to do do with it. But the only thing that gives me hesitation on Baltimore is that What's the state of their defensive line? I mean, without Calais Campbell and without Brandon Williams, that that they got trucked. I mean, absolutely trucked by New England yeah. on Sunday on on that front. So you know, and now you get oh, enjoy a little break. Or you get Derrick Henry. So you know, it's like yeah. have fun with that one. Uh, but you know, again, the Titans' defense is so porous, uh, in especially in the secondary. I just don't know how much the Ravens are going to really throw it around. And to me, this could be a real Titans win. So if you want me to pick an upset, I'll pick the upset. I'll pick the Titans to win this week. And they're going to bounce back too after their loss. So, you know, the Ravens are in trouble. I think, I think there's something wrong this year with that scheme. And I hope it's not a one hit wonder, but I'm fearing that it might be. Uh, Another great game and uh, a revenge game with the Kansas city chiefs at the Raiders. And uh, I don't know what the you know what? I don't know what the line is on this one. I have to think Kansas City's favored, but it's 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 eight. It's eight, eight? right now. Um, wow, that's higher than I would have yeah, thought. Yeah, eight points. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, well, it was six. It was six and a half, and then we found out about the Raiders and the contact tracing with the entire defense. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. That that's a big that's a big story. Um, I don't care what the line is. I would take the Chiefs in a heartbeat. I think that this is an absolute great spot for them. Uh, you get Andy Reid coming off a bye. We know how good he has been. He's been really him and Belichick have been the two great uh, masterminds in terms of coming off a bye and getting their team to perform well. Uh, again, the Raiders' defense not practicing this week, that should scare the hell out of me if I'm a Vegas fan, right. uh, especially since they weren't very good anyway. And then, uh, to me, you got to think that Kansas City is going to be thinking about Gruden running victory laps around Arrowhead Stadium yeah, on the bus last <laughs> time. That, that's not going to help matters, no. I don't think. If, if the Raiders can run the ball, maybe, but a healthy Chris Jones back for Kansas City, I think this has a, a, a blowout written all over it. I think the Chiefs are ready. This is like a 38-20 to 20 type of game. Oh, it's wow. high scoring, but the Chiefs do most, most of the scoring. All right, and then we're going to jump to Monday night. Uh, the Rams are at Tampa. Uh, Tampa is a four-point favorite in this one. The Rams, with a win, they can get themselves back into a tie uh, in the NFC West with Seattle. They kind of need this game. Uh, but uh, this is going to be a tough task on the road, I think, against a, a pretty good Tampa Bay team. Think about the ramifications of this game. I mean, this is this is the biggest game of the year, really, so far in the NFL, uh, because I think that, you know, with what where the Rams are at uh, and, and their division, and then on top same of that, if they don't win a division, there's a wild card implications. Right. And, of course, same with Tampa. Exactly right. So, you know, this is a this is a huge game, huge game for the NFC playoff uh, system. To me, I think one of the big losses for the Rams last week, Andrew Whitworth, left tackle. I mean, he goes down, he's out for the year. Right. I think that is a huge blow, especially considering that the Rams are so scheme oriented uh, that that really throws a wrench into what they can do offensively. Uh, it's Jared Goff versus Tom Brady round two, uh, not as high stakes, but it is round two. And I think that I would much rather have Tom Brady in a high pressure situation <laughs> than you, I think, yeah, you yeah. know, just considering, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so to me, I, again, I think that, that this is going to be a good game for the bucks. I think it's going to be a big game for one Antonio Brown, because I think, uh, you're going to have Jalen Ramsey on the outside cover and Evans. Um, it's going to be hard to cover Gronk too. But I think the slot, you remember Julian Edelman really killed them in that Super Bowl. I think the right. slot receiver position, whoever's playing there, whether it's Scotty Miller or whether it's Antonio Brown, is going to have a big game. I really I really believe that, and I think that, the, that they're going to cook stuff up on, the, on defense, and Todd Bowles is going to have that defense ready to go. So I think Bucks here probably by maybe even, I don't know, 7, 10 points. Uh, I could see this game too. Maybe in the in the fourth quarter they pull away. I'm going to take Tampa. Before I let you get out of here this morning, I want to bring up uh, a little college football. I know you are a Michigan fan. Please, yes, uh, absolutely. I know you are a big Michigan fan, and they are having a horrendous season. It's so hard to gauge because of the whole pandemic thing. I I don't know how 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 excited or disappointed to be in the performances of some of these teams. There's been some rumors that Harbaugh might be interested in going back to the NFL. Are Michigan fans hoping that happens? <laughs> Please, God in heaven, if there is a God, let this man resign or be canned. I really want him to be canned. I called for Jim Harbaugh's firing two years ago. 
Okay, I've been done with Jim Harbaugh for so long because, listen, Harbaugh can get your team from average to good, yep. but he cannot get your team from good to great. I think he, I just, I, I, they can't compete in that in that conference for some reason with the best coach that they have uh, that's out there, you know, in terms of recruiting and all that stuff. Then, that, listen, they got to go in a different direction. If Minnesota can get PJ Fleck and they can go almost undefeated last year, then Michigan can have somebody. And it really has to do with the boosters and all this crazy stuff behind the scenes. But, man, I would love it if Jim Harbaugh got fired. I would be thrilled, and I would I would thank the gods, and I hope he goes to the Jets, and that would be fantastic, <laughs> too. That would just let, them, let him create another false flag in New York, and, and it'll be fantastic. Um, so everybody's excited about the college football game against uh, Indiana and Ohio State. Does Indiana really have a realistic yes. chance to win this game? Uh, uh, listen, you got to look at Indiana. They've had a they've had an unbelievable year. They're in the top ten for the first time since like the nineteen seventies or something. It's wild that they have, what they've been able to do. They got a good quarterback in Michael Penix Jr. who's played really well. They have good receivers, and Ohio State's vulnerable at the cornerback position. The problem is going to be Ohio State's offense is just so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was not just Justin Fields, but all their receivers too, like Chris Olave and you know a lot of the a lot of the big time players that they have up there. I mean, they're really talented. There's a reason why they're twenty and a half point dogs, uh, but I I think Indiana could keep it a game, but I, I probably see this one maybe. A, I don't know about three touchdowns. I think they can keep it within that, but I, I think Ohio State pulls away, and it's just too much. It's just too much. So Ohio State's going to win. Dan Zampano proving that he is not just an NFL guy. He knows college football, too. Uh, Dan, listen, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We are still planning to do our show next Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, so don't be in a turkey coma. Be prepared uh, uh, <laughs> to give us your uh, Week 12 insights, but I hope you have a great holiday, my friend. Absolutely, Gene. God bless. It is one of the best holidays of the year. I wish everybody a good one with a lot of faith, family, and football on Thanksgiving Day. All right. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, no, we won't be back tomorrow. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll leave you this morning with a little music from Chris Christopherson, the Silver Tongue Devil, and I. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.